So, you've decided you want more out of your life. More than the 9 to 5. More than paycheck to paycheck. More than lifelong debt. But that leaves questions. Where do I go from here? What can I do without any money, connections, or experience? My goal is to not only provide you with answers to those questions, but also to motivate people in an authentic way, mentor people who don't have mentors, give back, and hear some inspiring stories along the way. If you're not going to show people what's possible, who is? My name is Aaron Eiler, and this is Ground Zero. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Dream Chasers Ground Zero. Today, I have with me Nick D'Angelo. Nick, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of an intro about yourself and just kind of tell us what Ground Zero was like for you and sort of some of the things that you've learned along the way to help you get to where you are today. Sure. What's up, Aaron? What's up, everybody? I hope everyone's having a good day. Yeah, my name is Nick D'Angelo. I'm with Saint Investment Group. So we are a real estate investment company. We do all distressed assets. So we buy distressed properties, we buy distressed debt, and we've been doing that for a handful of years. But um, yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. Um, it was actually a very interesting process to kind of look back. And I'm usually you know, forward facing. I'm usually kind of ignoring the rearview mirror, just kind of going as fast as I can in the direction I want to go. But um, yeah, I thought it was a very interesting concept doing a ground zero, you know, kind of starting at, you know, what was the starting point? And um, so, yeah, my starting point in entrepreneurship and business and um, really kind of taking it off to the next level, um, kind of my soft start was I come from a big Italian immigrant family. So I actually started working at 12. I started construction. And so I kind of got an early intro to the business world. but um, you know, it was, it was very good to get that start and kind of get a, an idea of the business world from an early age and kind of getting those instincts ingrained and getting the hard work. And those were the two things I got from really kind of starting work early. But um, more importantly to your question is the kind of, I guess, like the fed up moment where everything changed, where I just said, hey, I'm all in. I'm 100% committed. The boats are burned. There is no going back was a moment actually in college. And I was about, let's say 21. And I was, uh, in, at that time I was in the music industry. I was paying my bills as a uh, full-time DJ and going to class during the day. And that's kind of, um, that was kind of how I was making ends meet. But I, I've been reading a lot of books. I've always been an avid, avid, aggressively avid reader, always reading two, three books at a time and spending a lot of time on that. And I forgot which book, but it talked about projecting out your life and seeing where it's going and kind of imagining your life like a chart, like a graph, right? And saying where you're at today, what actions are you taking, what your hobby or excuse me, what, yeah, what your hobbies are, what your habits are, and where does that lead you and where are your goals? And if there's a huge difference between those two, then you got a freaking problem and you need to figure out how to recorrect your course. Um, so I kind of woke up one morning. And looked around and I had very, very interesting friends, artists, DJs, uh, people that, you know, some people that you might have, you know, seen in different uh, media and things like that. They were, um, I was in a really interesting part of LA. There were celebrities around and um, I just kind of woke up and just, it was super unfulfilling for me. So I had friends that were doing a lot of drugs, people that were partying five, six nights a week. And I just woke up and said, I am not 
trending. My, the projection of my life is not going where I wanted it to go. And, you know, all respect to the people that were around me, but they just weren't my people, right? They weren't, they didn't have the dreams that I wanted. Many of them were uh, trust fund style kids that had their whole lives pre-planned and pre-organized and financially secure without the hustle and without the effort. And I just knew that that was not going to be my future. So I just needed to stop kind of um, surrounding myself at a different, with people that weren't at the same frequency. So I literally woke up one morning and just said, you know, my health is not there. I've been working late nights. I've been, you know, in a scene that wasn't super conducive to great health. My wealth certainly wasn't there. I had, you know, probably more money than any of my friends, maybe let's say five grand in the bank. You know, as a college kid, that was kind of cool, five, 10 grand, um, you know, a few things, small things going on, but nothing major. And then uh, my happiness was not there at all. My growth, my personal growth was not there. So um, I woke up, I took my phone and I threw it in the pool and I just said, that's it. That's it. New number, new phone, new friends, new life. And uh, really, I had been reading a ton of investment books for years. My goal was always to get to real estate eventually and to be a full-time investor. And so I just started it that day. I was probably 21. I had plenty of fun in my lifetime being in the music and you know music industry and that lifestyle. And that was kind of the turning point was wipe the slate clean, completely clean out my crowd, uh, change my number and wake up kind of on a new path and on a, uh, on a new hustle and make sure I was getting where I wanted to go. That's awesome, man. I think... I think a lot of us really need that kind of clean slate outlook. That's what I know a lot of people struggle when they try to kind of rewrite their direction that they still have those attachments to their old life kind of dragging behind them. Think of them kind of like chains. How you have to that you just carry that extra weight all the time and it makes that whole transition so much more difficult. So I like the whole throwing the phone in the pool. I love that make a statement, you know, kind of thing. So directly after that what's the first step you took to set yourself on that new path? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think burning the boats and all that's great. And throwing your phone in a pool is a big statement for like, a, a, you know, going the correct direction, but um, it's really about, you know, setting up the next steps and where does that actually go? Right. And so for me, it was get everything, you know, kind of get basic ducks in a row and um, read books at a massive degree and follow the best sources of information that I could literally just shove into my brain and get my brain at the right frequency. I knew I wasn't there. I knew where I wanted to go. And at the time it was what, shoot, man, I don't know, 2009, 2010. So it was the great recession. So there weren't jobs where you could just apply, you know, I'm sure people were getting jobs. I don't want to, I want to keep a little bit more of an abundance mentality, but for what I wanted to do, I had no network. I had no money for any significant amount to invest in real estate. So it was, I had to figure out a way to get there. And so um, I immediately started something that's long gone, but it was a mailing list of real estate investment clubs in my area. And I just started a mailing list. I'd go to every RIA event. I'd shake hands with everybody. I'd say, if you want to find out about more events, go join my mailing list. And I just tried to compile people that were interested in real estate just to build my network. And that was kind of like my, I have no money. I have no real, you know, experience in doing any of this, but I want to get involved as much as I can. So I did that. And then um, I eventually used that list to barter my way into a free job in real estate. So that you back then when it was such a bad market, 
you had to negotiate for a free job, right? To work for free. So I just said, look, I got a list of like, I don't know, 500,000 people. You're a real estate investor, you know, super low, you know, like a low level guy, but was just the nicest guy in the world. And I knew would be hands on and kind of show me the ropes. And uh, so I kind of negotiated into there and just to try, just to try to get that free job, man, just to learn as much as I could on real estate at that time. Yeah. I mean, I can personally vouch for the whole free job thing. That's how I kind of got started too. Um, that's where um it was last fall we had an event at school and there was like a real estate it was like a big symposium where we had a bunch of different kind of industries a bunch of alumni would come back to the school and kind of give presentations on what they do and things like that so i just randomly joined a real estate room and adam carswell you know happened to be in that room Great guy. and you know he's an alumni here and i know he played basketball here which i also did so i was also kind of able to leverage that you know that thing we had in common to then follow up with him and say like hey I'm recently interested in this, like, you know, can we follow up? Can we set up a meeting? Like, you know, I'm interested in learning more. And he was like, absolutely. And then after that, like we had our first meeting, I just kind of talked it out with him. And I mean, and you know, Adam, like, so obviously from there, he just took it and ran with it. And you know, awesome. he turned our, our conversation into a LinkedIn interview, posted it out on LinkedIn. And, you know, I had people reaching out to me, you know, offering, you know, help and whatever, just because of his sheer network. And then obviously that then turned into an internship and now we're doing this, you know what I mean? So like, Amazing. don't, I'm, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't look at a free job as a bad thing because, you know, it might start that way, but it, all in all, it, it could eventually lead to great rewards for everyone. So I can't agree more. I, I, you know, I figured, you know, there's two paths, right? You learn, you work to learn or you work to earn. Right. And on my side, I said, Hey, I'm not in a rush to be, the guy that's making the most. I want to be the guy that's in the right position to learn and to grow the most and get closest. So I looked at it like it was the best deal that I ever got. I looked at it like I was lucky, right? Mm -hmm. Just to be near a real estate investor who is working, who is transacting during a really downtime, looking at deals. I learned deal analysis. I learned major stuff. And, you know, I eventually learned the skill of running two businesses at once because I had to start this little side hustle just to pay my bills to, you know, exist during that period of time. So, man, I, if you have a goal and you have a, you know, passion of something you want to get towards, then for me, I'd negotiate my butt into the room with free hustle any day of the week. I do it a hundred times out of a hundred, man. No question. Yeah. That's where I also think there's a lot to be said about kind of offering, well, not offering, but asking how you can give value before asking for value. That's where like, you sort of bring your free hustle to someone who could use your help. And then in turn, they give you value back just in the knowledge. And then you kind of embrace the whole process. And obviously that, you know, that was the, the, the beginning of the snowball. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and just kind of looking back on that, Dylan, did you kind of have any fears or doubts or kind of beliefs that you were struggling with during that time that, you know, were kind of attempting to hold you back as you were trying to kind of propel yourself into this new life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, it was probably in one way, it was the, one of the best periods of my entire life. And in many ways, it was the worst by far period of my life because, you know, the, the economy was doing bad. People just didn't have the money or the, you know, positive outlook, especially not in real estate. You know, I had just kind of had a rough breakup of a relationship and I literally stopped talking to every single friend I ever had. Right. So 
it was a very lonely and kind of difficult time, but it was kind of like me putting myself through the fire in a way of like, I needed that personal growth. So in the mornings, I was up super early. I was reading books. I was exercising. I was meditating. I was getting my butt into the office. I was making my, my like some, some days I'd be making 50 plus phone uh, cold calls before my boss was even in the office, right? And then you work all day and then you go work on your side hustle and then you crawl into bed for four hours of sleep or whatever. And then you get up the next day and it was just, that was the period. It was kind of the trial by fire and in the most amazing way possible because I grew as, you know, as an individual, my knowledge grew, my trust in myself grew, my understanding of business where you're pouring through books, your kind of understanding of, um, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing period that was really, really necessary. And uh, something I'm super thankful for, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely relate at least some to where that is now. I know my workload is definitely not that high, at least yet. But in a way, I'm kind of excited to get to that point because that's when you can kind of really start to feel that traction sort of starting to take hold because you can almost feel your own growth. And that's like an exciting process. So I know, at least for myself, that, you know, we're, we're just working right now, you know, we're just trying to get every little bit we can have. And I know definitely hearing about your process there like that, like to some people might sound gruesome and they might say like, well, I don't want any part of that. You know, <laughs> I want my, I, I want and need my eight hours, you know, like some people, you know, obviously each person's different, but I guess kind of where I'm going with this is sort of what did you kind of do to stay motivated in those times with something such with, with a schedule like that, like you got to want it. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, so like, so what was kind of going through your head during that time that you were able to use, you know, to get yourself out of bed every day with low sleep and then just get back at it every single day? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So I admittedly am, I consider myself the, busy, the biggest sleep diva of all time, truthfully. I'm like, I'm not the person that's like, can pull, all, you know, over, you know, all nighters and, and always, it was just a period of time that I was okay with running a little bit on empty with, you know, with gas in the tank, because I, I had my goal. I wanted to get to a certain place in real estate. I wanted to be able to invest at a certain level. And I wanted to be able to have a certain amount of money to invest at that level and not just be kind of like a transaction broker in real estate. I wanted to be a guy at the table. I wanted to be a partner. I wanted to be doing the big deals. And, and I, I just, I didn't know about raising money. I didn't know how to do that. So the only way I knew how to do it was just find, you know, figure out how to earn the money myself and big, you know, build up a big enough nest egg and pay my bills. So a lot of it was just survival that kept me going. And then the goal was to have a seat at the table as soon as possible. So it was, I was super fortunate and super lucky that there were, you know, older mentors that just were like, oh my God, this kid's crazy. You know, this kid just wants to, you know, work himself to death and just badger me with questions and thank God they answered them all, you know, and they didn't kick me out of their office. But um, yeah, the fuel that kept me going was one, it was, it really actually was survival. I mean, I was living at my parents' house making $0 after college. So there was a huge like, Hey man, I got to kick my own butt to get this moving. And eventually I'd like to like live on my own and move out and do, you know, that kind of thing. And then the flip side was, um, I wanted a seat at the table and I wanted enough money to invest with these, you know, guys that were several generations or a generation at least older than me. And, uh, and I, and I saw it. So I had kind of the cheat code of seeing these guys at that level. And I'm like, that is possible. That could be me. 
there's just this huge junk, chunk of money to, between that. So I was trying to bridge that gap as soon as possible. So me do, doing low sleep and doubling, you know, shifts and stuff was, was just a no brainer for how I was mentally computing that at that time. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly kind of similar to something I'm dealing with right now. I know that like, I kind of feel like I run on what you call like run on empty, you know, fairly often, sure. but I know for me, like, I just don't sleep well. I don't really know kind of what, you know, what oh, yeah. factors play into that, but I don't really sleep well. Like I will try to go to bed early. I have tried different medications. I've tried all this stuff, but I swear I cannot get more than like four to six hours every night. So like my biggest thing lately is I feel like I've still been trying to kind of get my schedule in order because like, I still have classes and things that like, I have to, you know, swing around and do stuff. But like, if I'm going to be up and awake in bed, pretty much just angry about the fact that I can't fall asleep, I might sure. as well be spending that time doing something more productive and then just Absolutely. go to bed a couple hours later. So like, <laughs> so that's one of the things I've been dealing with. I just, you know, like, and which I'm probably going to start doing is I'm just going to be laying there awake for a couple extra hours. I might as well have my nose in a book or something and be, you know, making something out of it. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That, the, the reading before bed, one, it, it turned my brain off because my, you know, my brain was going a million miles an hour. I had a lot of anxiety at that stage of these mm -hmm. you know, crazy things going on, but that having that last X amount of minutes, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever it is, hour, before bed, just with pure, amazing information and pure growth and pure perspective into your brain. And then having that just digest all night in your brain, game changer, man, great game changer. I'm telling you, I love it. Yeah. I feel like for me personally, that it's almost like the opposite. I feel like if I take that time and kind of invest my time into like a book or something that gives me all of that, like perspective, I feel like I get energized from that. I feel oh. like that's, I feel like that's what turns my brain on. So okay. then like, I'll be sitting there laying in bed, trying to turn it off, but now I have the gears turning about whatever I just read. And it's gotcha. like, that makes sense. so then I can't kind of like turn it down. So then it's like, you know, it, sure. it, sometimes it depends kind of what, you know, I'm reading or what exactly I'm doing. But I know for me that sometimes like, it's definitely a motivator, which is great, but at the same time, like I need my sleep. So it's like, kind of yeah, kind of wow. counterintuitive at least at that time so i have to work on my schedule a little bit in that sense but um that makes sense so you know yeah so, so um yeah and just going back to your story um sort of what do you feel is something that you did that has led to your success thus far that you know is something that like people looking at you from the outside wouldn't see or something that that you haven't told people you know if somebody asks you like you know what's your biggest key like there's always an obvious one but at the same time like what's what's the underlying factor that people don't see that has brought you your success thus far oh man that's a great question that's a great question i mean the the my initial reaction would be um having a an obsession with books just because when you have that high level and that high uh, digestion, like the, the regular, regular feeding of amazing information, you can't help but wake up. I mean, even you look at a podcast like this, amazing guests, amazing information, amazing discussions, those things just, if you just flood your mind with that, I think that that's, um, that's kind of the little things behind the scenes that put you, you know, above and beyond. But I would say 
Um, the things that have paid off the most along with that, that people wouldn't see, and they would just see kind of a certain level or a certain thing today, not see the, the decisions or the big moments along the way that were behind closed doors. I would say that um, I've managed risk interesting, you know, in, a, in an interesting way where um, we've taken some really big moves, right? Like anytime you sit down, I was crapping my pants the first time I put my business plan together in front of investors and they're looking at me and, you know, I, we, let's see, we started a company and entered the cannabis space for, let's say five, six years. And man, I was terrified at that, at those early meetings. And it's, it's, you know, very successful fortune 500 CEOs, CEOs of big financial institutions, CEOs of big uh, companies. And I'm, I'm putting this, this business plan in front of them. And they're like, you want to do what? Are you insane? You know, what are you nuts? And I'm like, you know, it's legal. You know, these states are doing this. And so I think that I made big moves to event because eventually I didn't have $5 million to get to the table and co-invest with guys. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. What else can I do? And basically I was making money was kind of my, was my, you know, answer to my own question. So I stepped up in a big way on some businesses that really panned out well. Uh, cannabis was big. We were very earlier. We were one of the first licenses in the state of California, uh, did a number of licenses in a couple other states. And um, so there's some really interesting big plays that I just kind of jumped ahead in line and could have probably waited a little bit longer, but just said, hey, man, I'm going to do it now. Right. I'm going to I'm going to move this ahead. So that was on one side. So we went real risky on one side, pushed ahead into an industry that nobody had any idea and that was just barely starting to form and kind of having the guts to step up with serious institution, you know, not institutional level, but ultra high net worth individuals and have those tough discussions of how this would all work and make them a lot of money so that they're very interested later. And then um, on the flip side, take money off the table of success, put it towards more uh, stabilized kind of um, core assets, if you will, some equities and some things like that that are just really boring assets that are not fun or sexy to talk about, but are cornerstone if you're really trying to build wealth over a long period of time. So I tried to manage risk. Like you jump way ahead, you take these huge moves, you take these huge steps, and then also put money aggressively aside where you have that balancing of like, if you fall flat on your face, you have the, the conservative stuff, but you also have the upside of the um, big steps that you're taking. So those were big. Um, and then my transition to real estate, kind of bringing in saying, you know, there's a couple of timing points and some zoning changes for some projects that I was um, kind of seeing around the corner, saw some big zoning changes come up and being able to raise that money was like, oh my gosh, I'm still, I still love those investors to death to this day. We were able to make money together, which is always a great relationship builder because making those guys a lot of money. And um, so those were the behind the scenes discussions. Those were the, the behind the scenes kind of strategies that, you know, weren't super sexy to take money off the table and set it aside. But years later, it's some of the best things I've ever done is to diversify a little bit, get a little more um, strategic with investing. Yeah, man, that's great. You know, that, that's great. I, I, I got to take a second for myself to kind of, yeah, I know it's a lot. I'm not trying to talk about any. I'm trying to think, you know, I got all these things that I've experienced. I just want to, trying to put them together, organized for you to kind of answer these questions. So yeah, I appreciate it, man. That's it's. Yeah, no, great. you're doing great. Think about it. 
That's what um I guess one of the things that I thought of is kind of changing pace on you a little bit is that we've talked about some of the things that have led to your successes, but what are some things that you learned from your failures or, or from some of those roadblocks that you hit where you really had to stop and think on your feet, you know, oh, yeah. change things up? Yeah, I think there's, that's awesome, man. That's, I love that. I love that freaking question. So my, I, I categorize my failures into two categories. The first being like big lumps. And then the, you know, the second being like little lumps, right? And I think you take, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur or you're in a startup phase or you're in a smaller business or you're wearing a lot of hats, well, any business, you know, you're going to be taking a lot of little lumps every day. And so it's like, you know, you hear people be like, you know, like, how do I not blah, 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 blah. And then usually the answer is like, wait, are you saying how do you not get rejected every single day on, you know, when you push forward on this or you have a failure on that, like that's part of business, right? Those little lumps are, you know, you learn each time from the little ones, the big ones, it's like, try not to get, you know, knocked out from the haymaker of failure. You know what I mean? And so the little ones, I'd say, um, it's keeping perspective and just kind of like daily knowing what your big goals are. Cause there's sometimes you don't need to take 20 minutes to think through or an hour or a day to think through just a little lump here and there, or how somebody was a jerk to you on the phone or how you tried to get this thing done and that didn't happen or, you know, whatever. But the big ones, I think, uh, here are the biggest uh, takeaways that I've gotten from kind of like big failures and biggest uh, falling on my face moments. Uh, early businesses. I probably put a half a dozen business plans together. I thought through every single piece of it. I, you know, really pushed forward. I thought it was the, you know, it was the deal and it was going to be successful. And I was rejected flat out probably half a dozen times on different businesses. So I was like, ah, dang, that sucks, you know? And so I was a younger guy at the time and it just kind of was like, keep on moving was my, you know, it was like, maybe I could have done this better. Maybe I could have been more organized. I need to figure out these numbers better. And you just kind of listen to the feedback. Usually if people are, you know, the people you're talking to will tell you. Um, and then I also, I made the mistake of asking for money. Okay. So if uh, at the, you know, especially in real estate or in uh, a lot of like, you know, fundraising environments, there's a joke where if you want money, ask for advice. And if you want advice, ask for money. Okay. And so I always asked for money and I got all this freaking advice and no money. And I was like, oh, I should have, you know, went in more with the mindset of um, that I'm learning. I thought I had to have all the answers and then I had to just know every single thing about every single thing in every single meeting. And that wasn't always the case. There was times where I could have gone to some of the people in my network and just been like, hey, I know this, I feel this will work. What am I missing? Blah, 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 blah. And they get a little more interested in being along for the ride than just like stroking a check or not. So that's, that's one is kind of dealing with investor side. Um, and then I think there's slow burn failures, failures that don't happen by like, you know, one day you just wake up and oh, oh my God, you know, I failed. It's failures of uh, letting things slide, letting, you know, culture slide in a business over a period of time. You know, when we built up one in business, it hit about, uh, let's say over 40 employees. So it was a very busy operation. It was a very busy business. And we just, there's little things you'd see like hiring wasn't up to speed. So then the entire team kind of tanks down its, its culture. And it's just kind of like a slacker culture instead of a hustle culture. Um, things like holding on to a business for too long, right? And you just know that the market conditions are going away that are not favorable. 
not cutting ties early enough with key employees or key um, situations. So that's, those are kind of the big takeaways or timing is everything, understanding markets, understanding individuals, where they're at in life and your organization, their interests, um, understanding investors, um, understanding what not to do is kind of like some of the biggest takeaways, you know, things like, um, yeah, the asking for advice instead of money and, or vice versa, you know? And, um, also I, the other is, um, not getting coaching soon enough. So I invest a lot. I've always invested a lot into education. I thought books were education coming from a college kind of background. The reality is I probably spend 20 to $30,000 a year now on coaching and different kind of classes and things like that. And I wish I actually would have done that sooner and pushed more chips in because having somebody that you can call and have super detailed, difficult questions answered, there's not books on a lot. Like you hit certain levels of things. There's no books on, you know, how to cross manage funds with uh, distressed assets and two different asset classes. Like it's difficult, man, you know? So just having mentorship, I'm willing to pay for it, especially if it's good. So I don't know. I know that's kind of bouncing around, but those are kind of my biggest takeaways, like what failures and what, you know, I did to rectify those. I'm in that processing thing again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, coming from someone that personally, I do feel like I have a decent amount of it, like business ideas. What is something that you changed from those, you know, those few that you were getting rejected? What, what did you kind of change to then turn those into, you know, advantages and then, you know, obviously, um, you know, making them successful plans? Yeah, I'd like to tell you, like, here's the five step thing and, you know, be super sophisticated. And here's, but to honest to God, I was too young and I didn't have any gray hairs. So nobody wanted to give me a lot of money. That's just straight up. And so what did I do? I built businesses that were able to grow organically that, that could have incremental investment instead of, Hey, I need $10 million. Cause they're like, Whoa, partner, like we're not cutting you a $10 million check. But if you need a hundred grand to get started and then a hundred grand in three months at a certain state, you know, step up and then a million dollars later, and then $3 million for this project. And then $8 million. For, that's kind of how it was in my progression. It was like, I kept trying to come to the table with huge dollar figure asks and guys were just like, dude, you're not worth $10 million straight up. Like you don't have the track record. We don't, you know, your, your idea is very interesting, but it's not tech where it warrants like you guys could walk and be like, okay, so like, here's my, here's my one sentence pitch. And here's, you know, a hundred million dollar check. It wasn't any of that. So I didn't have those. So basically I just asked for less money and built a business around expecting less money out of the gates and building like a real scrappy, real style bootstrapping um, operation. And what was interesting was by the time I was ready for those next tranches of investment, I was like, dude, my business is doing good enough. I don't want your money. I don't want more partners actually. So um, we kind of went a different direction with it, but it was asked for less because it's, it's much easier to give them a game plan of, hey, if I hit these hurdles, give me more money. Because we're like, oh, okay, now you're invested along the way. Also, um, skin in the game, right? And when you're younger, it's really hard to like, you know, you're like, I'll put in you know, a few thousand bucks or whatever. You know, it, it's, it's hard to even come up with that at multiple phases of, of my own development. But skin in the game, if you can figure it out, that's big for investors. And then the other side is 
um, lowering your dollar figure investment. If it's, if it's an entrepreneurship style venture, that's for sure. In my experience. Love it. You know, I mean, that, that personally resonates a lot with the ideas that I have because, you know, being someone that's young and doesn't have any skin in the game and wants to start a business, it's where do you find credibility? You know? So like, you know, I like the whole idea of incremental, you know, like, cause you're showing at each step that you've then made the progress to warrant a little bit more and then a little bit more. And then all of a sudden they're asking you and, you know, and you're like, no, I don't need it anymore. So, Absolutely. you know, and, I, and how did it, how did it feel to then be in that position where you could then tell them I don't need it? Well, I, I basically showed up and paid off all my debts in a day. So I just was like, you, here's your check. You, here's your check. Here's your check. And then, you know, you wake up the next day and it's like, you know, you still, these are people that you've built relationships with, that you've worked with, that you've made money with. So it wasn't like people want to talk like F you money, right? right? That was, it was all love money for me. It was like hugs and high fives. And there were people that were very much invested in like, we had a relationship where they wanted me to succeed. They had enough freaking money, dude. They weren't like sitting there trying to make their squeeze out. I mean, obviously they like every, every guy who has a or guy or girl that has a lot of money wants to make more, but it's at the flip side, you know, there's, there's a level where the relationships that you build along the way are people that you prefer their success over you making a few more bucks. And so I was very fortunate that those people were in my life. And, but the feeling of it is it's just light, you know, it's like, if you just feel light, you feel like you can actually make your own decisions. You don't got people over your shoulder that are kind of like, Hey, by the way, no, 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 you know, this is what you're going to do instead. And so being, you know, anybody who has investors is beholden, you know, to be a good fiduciary of those investors. And when you don't have those and you can just kind of be off the rails a little bit and run your business a little more streamlined, how you want it, it's man, it feels good. It feels good to really take off as long as you know that you can. Sometimes it's good to have, you know, a little board of uh, advisors to, to still be able to call up if they have a financial interest too. So that's a balancing interest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure we could go back and forth about this for forever, but I do think I need to close it up a little bit. Let's say one last question um, sure. is just sort of how did you go about finding those right investors that were kind of more, a little more geared towards your success, say, than getting a dollar? And like, obviously you want to be able to pay them back for that, but you know, you need the people that are going to buy into your idea too. You know, you, you need people that understand what you're trying to accomplish and that are willing to invest in you more than the business, because the ones that are more willing to invest in you, I mean, those are going to be the ones that help you more. Like, it's just kind of, it's really that simple. But I mean, like coming from me who might be potentially doing that someday, you know, knowing something like okay. that could potentially be huge. So. Yeah. I would say early on it's, it's connecting with your network and it's explaining what you're doing, how you're doing it. And just kind of like planting the seeds with people, right? Um, you know, many friends and family were, were the early investments, right? And we're transitioning our entire business to be more of a fundraising machine on the real estate and debt side. And so to give you an honest to God answer of like a fully scalable fundraising business, I don't have an answer. But early on, what really, really worked was being super organized on your materials, being super organized on your numbers, expressing what you're doing with people, you know, asking for feedback on what you're doing for people that may be viable investors, showing them that, hey, these, this is the path to success, having a very clear you know, 
line of sight and clear like step-by-step on it where it's not just this like boom here's a whole bunch of information what do you think right it's more like this is phase one this is our entry strategy these are our four exit options that we can you know do these are our decision making variables for each step this is our uh we know our kpis our key performance indicators at each stage of this these are our you know kpis that we're shooting for and projected etc etc when you land on those and someone's like, oh, okay, I feel this. I, I can feel and see and watch the, the machine of this business work in my mind, then, and they, they're really bought in at that point, you have somebody who's a, you know, a potential investor for sure. I think it was actually, oh, shoot, man. It wasn't, I don't know if it was Adam, but kind of in a, a group I'm with, with Adam, it was something along the lines of a confused investor is no investor. I think it was like a quote like that. And so it's that clarity and that organization that really uh, it kind of landed. As far as sourcing investors, there's a million ways you can go on. You know, PitchBook, which is a massive database of investors that you know work with large, large, large funds. You can do you know, there's Y Combinator, million different um, incubators if you have more of like a tech-based or kind of e-com style business. But friends and family was my route, and that was the easiest kind of network that I was like you know, that I could really tap into at that phase. That's awesome, man. I mean, this has been a value packed episode for sure. Um, you know, I honestly hate to say it, but we do need to wind it down here. I'm sure you have other things sure. you need to do today. Yep. So, um, I mean, do you, do you just have any closing remarks that you'd like to share? Um, just, you know, based on your success or just, I mean, anything in general. Yeah, I think uh, I think what you guys are doing is awesome, man. Aaron, this is ground zero, I think is not talked about enough. You know, when someone wants to really launch themselves, you know, a uh, you know, into the next level. And I think it's a lot of building, it's a lot of hustle. But I would say that if anyone else can do it, that you can do it, and any of your listeners or anyone else can do it. So it's just about hustle, game plan, and execution, man. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. I can't thank you enough for coming on and, you know, just sharing your, your experience. You know, it's been honestly really great to hear and, you know, it's been motivational and that you've planted so many seeds, you know, that I don't know. I definitely think this is going to be one that even myself needs to listen to more than once because <laughs> there's a lot to go back through and, and take from it. So, I mean, just thank you for sharing your expertise and, you know, it's, it's honestly just been really great. So thanks again. Absolutely, man. And if anyone wants to get in touch, Saint Investment com, And that's our website. And uh, if you reach out or put, you know, hit the contact or anything, you can get in touch with me and we can uh, connect. Awesome. Thanks again for sharing that information. And with that, everyone, remember, this is ground zero and there's nowhere to go from here, but up. Cheers. <laughs>